a very good afternoon to all our listeners this evening. My name's Ursula Kohler. I'm founder and director of Capital EA, and you're listening to the After Five podcast series. We have a valuable, wonderful guest appearing with us this evening. It's not quite evening here, but we're close enough. And welcome, Lizzie Cahoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. It's lovely to have you here on the program and The main reason why I was keen to have a chat with you was in regard to your experience. You're a young executive assistant, but you've got a number of transferable skills that I wanted you to share with our listeners tonight and also getting an idea of what you've done and how you've gone about doing it and where you're at now, including your health and well-being. I thought you could start by sharing with us a little bit about your journey and how you got started and what your experience has been today. Perfect. (laughs) So, like you said, yes, I. I'm quite young. I'm only 23. So I'd say I'm the youngest in the branch at work currently. Um, And I'll tap into that a bit more later. But how I started really was I come out of high school and did childcare for two years. Unfortunately, I felt it wasn't for me. Basically, every job I've been in, I've never regretted because every skill I've learned in these jobs has all helped me to do what I do now. Mm. So, for example, childcare was just full of organization. Like people will say, oh, it's so fun. You get to look after kids all day. But there's just so much more than that. It's planning the children's days, making sure that they align with what they're interested in, what they should be learning at that age, planning schedules, planning the room, making sure it looks aesthetically pleasing, but also is in line with the program and the children's learning. Anyway, we're not here to talk about childcare. No, I get that. You know, it's good to get that insight into, you know, there's so much more on just looking after kids. Like you say, you do need to be pretty well planned and, and preemptive in your role to, to be able to do that role properly as well, yeah, um, exactly. which I totally understand. So that was good to share that. It like being in that job taught me the basics of report writing. So I can still say now I'm not amazing, but it still taught me the basics of report writing plus doing lots of assignments for all the courses I did. So then after that, I decided to go into office management and I was there for about two years. And that's where I learned a lot more skills. So previously, I was communicating with children and parents, but Now it was dealing with clients and looking at purchasing orders and just a whole new skill set, like negotiating prices and, you know, getting them to buy things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Yep. So a whole different other skill set plus managing a team as well. And with COVID, unfortunately, I lost my job because COVID has just ruined a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That would have been about 2019 then, was it? The first? um, That was 2020. Oh, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And that was when our first lockdown happened, I believe. We weren't in a very strict lockdown, but it was like the first. Mm, That's right. It was March 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I started applying everywhere I could in the public service. I was applying on so many temporary registers and EA jobs everywhere. And I did countless interviews I because I didn't have a job at this point. So I probably had two, one to two interviews a day going. Oh, I was 
doing them left, right and centre and I probably got rejected for majority of them. It was pretty rough. But also doing interviews is another skill. (laughs) Oh, I bet, yes. So that's what, like even in my current job, well, I'll tap into that later, but even doing interviews now, going back and thinking about the interviews I did back then, I still use like things I said from then now. Um, Oh, great. So doing interviews is you selling yourself. And sometimes people don't want to talk about themselves and don't know how they are an asset, but it's a really good way of like learning how to sell yourself. Um, also gaining the confidence to talk to complete strangers about yourself. And every interview you do, you get more confident, you get better each one you do, and you just start memorizing everything. I was going off nothing at one point because I just memorized everything from every interview. (laughs) And what were you pulling on? You know, what sort of, were you using those transferable skills? Do you recall, you know, when you were in the interviews, what were you utilizing to really sell yourself? I really, I really dig deep on the skills that each job brought that were in relation to being an EA. So Mm -hmm. for example, the communication on the phone, plus I managed the office, when I was the office manager, I managed the owner's calendar. Plus I managed the business's calendar. So I just kind of talked about my communication skills, my active listening skills, how I resolve problems, mm. written communication, verbal communication, managing a team. But yeah, the big one was solving problems because they always ask you to give examples for every question. So yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's excellent. Really good. And then while looking for a job, I got a casual position at a call center. And then that was more new set of skills with dealing with upset clients because most of the time the calls were because something was wrong with their account or wrong with their situation. So it was another new set of skills of diffusing the situation and you know calming down the client. And then because I got put on a couple merit lists for a couple EA jobs, and then I get a call one day from my boss and he wanted to meet with me and then I got a position there where I currently am. <laughs> okay. And what level was that, Lizzie? So that was at a four. So at the call center, I was a APS three mm-hmm. and then I got a job as a four. And did you have a clearance at all at that point? No, I had absolutely no clearance. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And just when you spoke about the call centre, when you went in to do that role at the APS3 level and it was a contract, right, for a period of time? Yes, yes. Yeah. How did you feel like getting on the phone for the first time? And, you know, obviously they gave you a good induction on what they wanted you to talk about and how you respond to things. But there's, there's got to be a level of confidence even dealing with people on the phone. Did you find you already had that ability or is that a natural thing or did you have to work on it to, I suppose, I, build it up a bit? I think that Every new job you go into and you first hit on the phone, it's always going to be nerve-wracking. Mm. So I think it's about finding your groove within the role on the phone because every every role I've had, it's all I've been on the phone with them all, like mm. in some way, and it's all a different client base and it's all speaking to them differently. Not not differently, like discriminating, but as in like mm. you've all you've got different motives for your call. Um, yeah. So when we were in the call center, I was 
petrified to get on the phones. I knew I had a lot of experience, but I was petrified. And Mm. two tips was the hold button is your best friend. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll just pop you on hold and I'll double check that for you. And Mm. then always sound confident and never sound like you don't know what you're talking about or you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So if the hold button's your best friend and then quickly go ask someone or check with someone and then get back to them and give them an answer or say, look, I'm just not sure. I'll have to get back to you. I'll get back to you at and always give them a time. Yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, that's super. I really love those tips. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Yeah. So the course and then you got the job and that was through the merit. So you had you've been merit listed and you thought, right, that's it. I'll go for go for this. And then you got the really wonderful phone call to say, look, I want to meet with you. And that was um, was that like transferable straight away in terms of into the role immediately? Or did you have to meet with him and then decide, yep, yeah, you'd be a good fit? How did that work? So he wanted to meet with me first and obviously talk about what they do and what the role would consist of. And then in the end, it was my decision whether we wanted to go through or not. And I'm sure he wanted to see if he liked me as well. Mm. And then I come back to him and said, I love it. It sounds amazing. Let's go for it. And I started within the next two months, I believe, of meeting him. Oh, that's great. Oh, so it took another two months. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just because the process was quite long, but that's just how things are. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay. And so that happened in 2020? Yeah, 2020. So it all happened okay. quite quickly. Um, so I've nearly been working there for a year now. All right. So how's the experience been, you know, getting into the role, managing upwards and, you know, realizing what it is to work as an Australian public servant, I guess. And what what's that been like for you, Lizzie? Give us a little bit of insight into your world. So I'm sure learning every job is difficult, but just learning about what what each like section and what everyone does was probably the hardest part for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's normal. Everyone's going to have a bit of trouble understanding things or people might just be a sponge and soak things up really quickly. Mm. Um, but I'm a bit of a slow learner in that sense where it just took me a little bit longer because it was my first time really in the public service. And so I was learning about how the public service works and the hierarchy and mm. how things work, like if a brief needs to be sent up, how does that work, uh, what needs to be done. So there was a lot of things to learn, but I actually had an EO as well who who we started at the same time and it was the best thing ever to learn together because <laughs> oh. we'd both be like, oh, I'm not sure who that's for. We'll just, we'll just double check with this person. And But yeah, like, yes, my role, but getting to know my executive was a really big deal for me. For the start, we sat down probably every afternoon and compiled like what he likes in an EA, what he likes in an office, how he wants things run. And it was really good that we did that first off the bat so that I could try and make things good for him. And Mm. he was quite new to his role as well. So we were all learning together. Mm. So were you his first EA? I was his second EA. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just interesting you mentioned about the EO as well, Lizzie, because it doesn't matter, you know, what point of entry you come in at. 
anyone learning a new organisation, a new team or even a new executive are going to understand a different set of principles and different policies, I guess. So it's a good point you make because the EO is actually experiencing the same as you, even though you're at different levels, I, I suppose, you know, which is good Good to note. Yeah, yeah. I actually went to your course of like an intro to being an EA and I really mm. loved that course. And one of the things I really brought out of it was, you know, there's probably like you got to ask some questions, like don't be afraid to ask questions and be like first off the bat and know exactly what they want. So I made mm. sure that there was no bugbears and... <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> made, but yeah, it was there was a lot of improving things like sometimes he'd say, I really don't like how you did this, but that's perfectly fine. Maybe try to do it this way. So yeah. all his criticism was always constructive mm. and we have a fantastic relationship. He was he was a very great boss. <laughs> yeah, good. That's fantastic. I'm glad you got a lot out of the course as well. And the EA Foundation program is, I suppose, developed for that reason. Mm. But it's good to be able to know that it is possible to ask questions and it does mean you meet in the middle somewhere with them giving a bit of a bit of an idea and it helps develop that relationship so that's fabulous and so now have you had any opportunities to progress in the role have you looked for other other positions already or where where are you at now in terms of I guess it's only early days but I know personally from knowing you know where (laughs) you're at that you know there were opportunities that came your way or you know what what where are you at now So back again with the interviews and applying for jobs, I really wanted to progress and become a five in Mm. the role. And um, my boss said he would support me in if I got a if I got a position elsewhere that he would transfer me over as Mm. a five. So there I went again interviewing. And I had interviews, I probably had two a week. It was so draining. (laughs) Mm. So I was applying for any job I could and any public service job. Mm -hmm. And then I had about four offers for a job and I got merit listed about four times for a five. Can I just check, Lizzie, what was the reason for wanting to go to a five? Like you you wanted to do that fairly quickly and... What 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 is the reason you wanted to jump into that straight away? Did you find that you were ready, you know, emotionally you had developed to a point where you thought, you know what, I'm ready to jump up or was the the money the the trigger here? What was it? Or a bit of both? <laughs> I mean, the money's nice, but <laughs> yeah. But um it was I was ready to do more and I mm. knew that I could do more at that level. So it at the start it was just mainly managing the calendar like that was the big deal was the calendar and obviously um, some email correspondence and I'd mastered all that the calendar was beautiful color-coded lots of risk management in the calendars another big tip Mm. is my executives are always very busy (laughs) Mm. and one thing I do I call it the purple time because desk time clearing time is always purple Mm. So I always put in at least three hours a day. And that for some people seems like a lot, mm. but because I pre-do weeks in advance. So I put three hours in every day, like spread out morning, lunch, afternoon. But even if you're leaving those spaces in there to at least give 
them an hour and a half a day of clearing. You're clearing space for emergency things to come through, like an emergency task. And instead of cancelling all the meetings for the afternoon, you can just move them around and go, oh, you've got time here. I'll just pop them in there. Mm. So it's not really three hours clearing desk time. Yeah, it's it's flexible time. Yeah, but Mm. I find that a lot of the other EAs in above my executive like to look at the calendar and see where they can fit in. But with my time spaces, they ask me when he's free. Excellent. I like that tip. (laughs) Really good tip. And, you know, when you think about it, but with the the role that they've got to get through each day anyway, you really need about that because, I mean, we work, what, seven and a half hours a day, Mm. meant to have a lunch break. Um, There's emails, there's phone calls, there's meetings anyway that are scheduled in. So it's nice to be able to have a little bit of movability. I think that most executives would quite like that. Yeah. And it does mean that someone's got to get in touch with you to find that time, which is, you know, you're not locking it down for no meetings at all you're still managing to have that conversation about where it can best fit. So, yeah, that's a great tip. Thanks for sharing that. That's okay. Um, Mm. (laughs) So, yeah, I felt like I'd mastered, not mastered, but I felt like I'd done all I can at the four and, Mm. you know, I was getting a little bit bored and it's it's not bad to say that because as soon as I got the five position and Mm. I was transferred to where I am now as a five, still with the same boss, then I got a lot more work, a lot more responsibilities and it was exactly what I wanted. So Mm. before that, because I actually took on the responsibilities a lot earlier, I was an acting five until I got my substantive position. Mm. Yeah. So what did you do to get into acting into that that position, you know, that role? What were some of the things that really stood out as being different or you know, extra? Well, one thing I wanted to add is making sure you're having a lot of open conversations with your executive and open about where you see your career going, where you see things going, what they can help you achieve, where they want to help take you because having those open conversations means you can get your full worth of what you want from the job. Mm. Um, Instead of going, oh, I wish I was a five and, oh, I don't know if I could ever get promoted here. I might just leave. Like, Mm. you know, always having open conversations with your executive, I find, is a good tip as well. So the difference in workload was that one of the big ones was when my executive was finished with a brief or a report, I would have to add in all the comments or take it back to the team and you know, give them a brief of what I just discussed with the executive of what needs to change, what, what's what got to be different and things like that. And, you know, I started actually attending some meetings, some smaller meetings on their behalf, some smaller ones. Mm. Um, and I started attending all, the, all our team's team meetings to then be a representative for my executive for people to go, oh, can you just remind him of this? Can you just remind him of this? Or Mm. me give the team stuff that my executive is currently thinking about his current priorities and things like that. Gee, that's terrific, Lizzie. And did you, were you, you know, was this out of your comfort zone? Like some of these things or what, how did you feel? Definitely. 
Yeah, you, you've <laughs> essentially pushed yourself out of your comfort zone. Yes, everything is out of comfort zone because, for example, m- one of my fears is definitely relaying the wrong information back to the team. Like mm-hmm. if I've interpreted something incorrectly and relaying it back to the team and it's incorrect. So I am ver- I have a memory of a goldfish, I say, and <laughs> I usually, once I've been told something, I go, okay, so you want me to say this and this and this? And they go, yep, correct. And then I go back <laughs> and yes. do it. Okay. So you're, yeah, you're relaying the message back to them to make sure that it is the correct message that you're going to use. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's back to those open conversations and getting comfortable to communicate really well with your executive. Yes, I agree. Mm. That is correct. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love this, Lizzie. This is fabulous. So you've been at five for how long now? I think I got promoted in... I think it was as soon as lockdown happened. <laughs> okay, yeah, so think, August. Yeah, so yeah, okay. August. But to switch the story a bit, I actually, my boss went on a bit of long-term leave and there was, and then I got a new boss. Mm, <laughs> so right. the, same, the same position, but just a new person. Mm. so then there was the feeling of oh no I've got to adapt to a whole new person (laughs) yeah exactly Um, we've built a great relationship and now I've got to build it with the acting person oh like it was so scary and I thought you know this is basically learning another job again (laughs) yeah Um, Mm. but what you've what you've found now is that it's what you bring to that role anyway isn't it it? yeah exactly like I can say that both of them have completely different styles of how they like things being done how they like things being presented to them like both completely different but um still good like Mm. I yeah I find that people may get scared and just try find another job if something like that happens, but I thought the best thing to do would be to stay and mm. be, I never thought of leaving, but my, but I thought the best thing to do would be to have an EA that knows what they're doing. And so that would be a good help mm. for the acting person. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. You stuck with it and now you've realised that, yeah, and that aligns to our our little I, I share a little chart, the IP chart, that's 80% what you bring to the role and really 10% is your executive and then another 10 is the organisation that you work for. So really you've still got 90% of the corporate knowledge of what they need and only 10% is really understanding the way that they work and how they to go about doing, uh, you know, the jobs that they require you to do for them. So pretty much I, I feel like these roles are a role that you can take with you you know, as a trade, a bit like other trades out there that you can pick up and it's what you bring to that role and how you manage them that is the main asset that they're receiving from you as an individual. So, and it sounds like you've got that really down pat. So, Lizzie, what do you think are three skills that are really crucial to the role, you know, three in particular that you've identified as being really quite crucial to the role? One that I find very crucial is... Um, confidentiality. I know that's a weird one, but you're mm-hmm. basically you're basically the voice of the office and you're the ear of your executive as well. So if you're a gossiper, that's not on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Like 
I find that I, you know, people will come to me and try to, you know, ask what's going on with things. And, you know, with certain sensitive matters, you have to make sure that you keep your front because, you know, if you lose your trust of your executive, then I'm not, you know, how can you be trusted with any other sensitive matters? Like it's, mm. you got to make sure you keep that, keep Absolutely. that relationship yeah. and confidentiality. I think that's a big one. Absolutely. That's a good one. And I'm sure everybody says this all the time, but um, organization. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find that when you first get into a role, you need to know, all right, what's happening with their files? How are they organized? How do you, how's the calendar organized? How long do you like to take for lunch? What time do you like to start? What time do you like to finish? Like making sure you know everything about how everything needs to run. So what are three things you can't work or live without in this role? I cannot live without my printer. <laughs> ah, and you've been working from home, haven't yeah, you? Well, yeah, well, I a actually... Bit of, a bit of both. Yeah, I actually just started going back into the office full time, but I cannot live without my printer and it's a nightmare when the printers are down. So but you I, like to print everything at, and then write notes on things? Is that... So my executive likes to have everything in paper form mm. and also a digital copy as well just because, you know, when you're reading through a paper, it's a lot easier to handwrite your comments on the side and things. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of printing. So my printer is a big tool that I need mm. all the time. Fair enough. But also having a really supportive team. I find having good communication with your team is very important. Having good relationship with your directors is very important. Mm. You've been good at, you know, explaining really a big part of this conversation today has been about communication really and that you've seen it as such a tool to use in right through for communicating to your executive sitting down with them and understanding what they want organizing their life and understanding what the the lowdown is in the office so a, a lot of that you can't obtain through any other method but communication and not being afraid to ask the questions really so that's yep. the what I've taken away from having that conversation right from the start, Lizzie. It's just really great that you've highlighted that as a real topic and it's probably one of the essence and, and crucial parts of what's helped you transition really because you were even open and transparent about the fact that you wanted to, you know, go from a four to a five fairly quickly and, you know, that that can't come about without having a conversation. So exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's really terrific and you've been really so helpful in explaining processes and the way that you've kind of worked through your mind and your 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 own physical um, attributes in going through this role. And can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about your hobbies outside of work? Is there a, a hobby that you particularly do and love? And I suppose during COVID, it's a bit hard if you're doing a hobby that involves other people, but is there something that keeps your health and well-being in check? I do a lot of crocheting, actually. <laughs> crocheting, um, fabulous. Yeah. Everybody calls me the nana, the young nana. Um, <laughs> but I find I started it because I wanted to reduce my stress a little bit and I find that it that calms my mind and I'm just thinking about what I'm doing and not thinking about anything else. Mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend crocheting to any EA, even on your lunch break, like everybody knows I'm on my lunch break because I'm sitting 
like my computer's locked and I'm sitting at my desk crocheting because that's all I'm thinking about. And that's my way of relaxing my mind on my lunch breaks. Fabulous. And I also recommend, I'll be doing it this week, is, you know, actually taking your lunch breaks is a good tip. I know some people think, oh, I'll just eat at my desk, you know, while I work. Yes, I eat at my desk while I work, but then I take 30 minutes and I crochet for 30 minutes or I take a 30-minute walk. So I've been doing that this week. It's been beautiful weather. Actually going out and walking around or leaving your desk is really good. So make sure you take your lunch breaks. <laughs> That's super. And, you know, you're so right. And you just, you have to make the effort. And everyone that does make the effort always says, oh, my God, I'm so glad I made the effort just mm-hmm. to get out and, you know, get some fresh air, get the legs moving a bit because sitting down at the desk can be really, really long and tiresome in itself. And you do have a crochet event coming up with the Lead EA Network, as I yes. understand it, which is... Um, to be held on Thursday, the 28th of October. Is that right? Yes, I'm really excited for that one. So we will be making crocheted headbands. So that will be really exciting. Quite an easy pattern, but, you know, learning how to crochet for the first time, learning a new skill, of course, it's going to be a little bit challenging, but once you get it, you'll really love it. And it's just something productive, like you can watch Netflix and make a scarf. <laughs> like, How cool is that? I mean, you know, that's that's really tackling two things with one thing. So, you know, that's what we do best as EAs and that's, yes. that's a oh. wonderful thing to do. And I know I'll be enrolling in that course myself. I do. I've always wanted to learn how to crochet and I've been so envious of people that can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really keen to to get involved as well and you know, I'm really grateful for you. It's lovely. The Lady A Network, you know, in its entirety, likes to connect with EAs that do do various things and share with the EA community. So it's nice that you've been able to put your hand up with that as well. Thank you, Lizzie. Of course. Um, I think you've covered most things I wanted to to really draw out from you and, and share with our followers and our audience tonight. And I think it's great your experience in itself and where you've started and what you've done in such a quick turnaround time has just been so valuable. And as I mentioned, I think the essence of this is communication, which is so good that you've always, you know, been involved, even doing what we're doing by recording a podcast. So we're really, really grateful for your time. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners, Lizzie, before we, we sign off for the evening? I think I've talked everyone's ear off for tonight. So <laughs> one thing, one thing I do share with our listeners is, um, you know, if, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, have you got a LinkedIn or or can they contact us and we can share their contact details with you? Is that the best way to get in touch? Um, yeah. So if they contact the lead, uh, capital EA, then I'm happy to share my details. Yeah, and, good. Um, yeah. Yeah, there might be a few EAs listening thinking, oh, I might want to have a chat with her and, and hear a little bit more. And yeah, uh, of course. I always I always make sure that there's some touch point with our um our listeners and, and those that we invite on the on the series. So thank you for that. I'll make sure I put anyone in contact that uh, reaches out. But uh, for now I'd love to say good night and have a really lovely evening and rest up and we'll look forward to seeing you on the twenty eighth of October for your crochet class. Thank you so much. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks, Lizzie.